The Truth News Network. Former FCC Chairman Newton Minow called the media a vast wasteland. Well, I submit it's far, far more than that. It's a battlefield for your mind. Mortar fire, cannon fire, grenades full of lies. And we're taking the losses. It's time for a night in this savage land. That used to be called a paladin. A defender of the good and honest against the onslaught. Well, we're TNN. The Truth News Network. And your paladin against the barrage is Dan Newman. There he goes again, using that paladin word to describe what we're doing here. Well, 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 he can say what he wants. We can think what we want, right? Well, guess what? You're here. I'm here. And we're going to wade into a bunch of skinny stuff all day today for two hours. We've got much in the way of information to share with you. You're going to hear from some folks that uh, you'd probably like to hear from occasionally. And then, of course, what's today? Tuesday. So what does that mean, Dan? It means it will be time for Steve Baker to join us today for our second hour. And actually, he's going to come in a little bit early because he's coming in studio today to share with you. So we're going to have a full, full day, lots of information, lots of things to swallow. If you are just now listening to this and you're running out of the house to go to work or school or wherever, and you're going to miss today's live show, make sure you pick it up after you get free today. It's going to be one of those you're going to want to hear because it's going to be full of truth, much of which you haven't heard. So... We're going to get right to it with our very own Lance Thompson. Yes, no, maybe. Let my heart on a merry go round in an old shoebox called the Lost and Found. Ever since that day, I have traveled this town. Never thought I'd run into you. Oh, let me say, I'm not dead, I'm alive, and I'm crazy about you and the way that you made me feel so good. And I'm
said, isn't that a cool song? He's from right here in Shreveport, Louisiana. In fact, you've heard him on this show. Right when this song was released a few months ago, he and his gorgeous wife came on the show. That song was written to her, Vernay, who is now his wife. Isn't that cool? What a great story. My older brother, Denny Duran, told me over the weekend he was listening to this and he said, man, that could be a hit. Well, it sure could, and it might be. Lance Thompson, you may be able to say someday, hey, I know one of his friends, Uncle Dan. That's what Lance and Verne call me, Uncle Dan. You could say, I know Uncle Dan, and we heard Lance's song on TNN Live. Well, 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 you having a good week so far? You know, the second week of a new year, it just seems a little different to me. We're still celebrating during the first week. Second week, it's time to get down, put your nose down to the grindstone and get with it. And that's what we're doing or trying to do here at TNN Live. But is the noise deafening in the world today? There's no place that seems like it's on solid footing. Where could we go to get away from all this? I don't know. I'm being honest. I don't have any idea. It seems like in every sector of our world, if you look at the globe, there's no place on earth today that is not dealing with chaos of some sort. Now, we could get scriptural on all this. I mean, I've read the book of Revelation numerous times. In the end times, we're told in the Bible, there will be wars and rumors of wars. There will be earthquakes and famine in diverse places. That could, all of that, easily identify with what we're dealing with in the United States and elsewhere on the globe today. I think you'll probably agree with that. So what do we have on our plate that we've got to get out of the way? Well, we know about this Senate bill, and you're going to hear a little bit more about it this morning, again from House Speaker Mike Johnson, you're going to hear about what Laura Ingram of Fox News is. Her thoughts are about this because she had Mike Johnson on her show last night. Many other people, but we're going to dig into some facts. Just a reminder, today is the Nevada, I think it's today, I'm pretty sure it is today, the Nevada primary, but guess who's not on the ballot that day, today? Donald Trump. Now, don't get panicky. What happened is the Nevada preliminary election stuff has always been a caucus. And so Democrat Party decided there were a bunch of people that said, no, nah, we want to do an, a standard old primary, you know, where everybody comes and votes. The caucus is structured so they have these meetings all over and people, proponents from everybody that's in that race, they'll come the day of the caucuses and give their speeches, their pushes for the candidate they're backing in whatever race it is. So we're having a caucus this day, today in Nevada, but it's not going to count toward delegates for Nevada. So Donald Trump's not on the ballot there, but the caucuses are coming up. The Republican Party made it very clear Donald Trump is in that one. And all of the Republican ballots for the state of uh, Nevada 
are going to go to whoever wins the caucuses, not in today's primary. I just got a note from our buddy James Posey. Let's see what he says. (laughs) He told me, this is just like James. I was talking about at the top, you heard me. No place you can go where you can get away from it all. And he sent one word, Destin. (laughs) I know where he is talking about. Been there numerous times. It's one of God's prettiest places in the continental United States. It's in the Redneck Riviera, northwest Florida. Bleach, white, sand, and blue, blue, crystal clear water. You love it. You check it out. I'm seriously, it's even got cleaner, whiter sand than do any island in the Bahamas. And I know that because I've been to almost every one of them, if not every one of them. Well, let's get back on track. Do you really like Nikki Haley? Do you like her to be president? I like her. But the more I hear her and watch her speak, the less I feel like she is a real candidate and could do a good job if she was elected president. Every day, I'm saying, nah, I just don't see it. And then yesterday, she sunk herself for me in my eyes. On Fox News' channel, Your World, that Republicans, she said, are being irresponsible with our national security. You know why? Why? She said by killing the bipartisan border deal because of former President Donald Trump's criticisms. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the rest of this, and then I'm going to tell you why I've gone totally sour on her now. She was on the Neil Cavuto show, and Neil said, you know, Donald Trump has famously said that Republicans should be ashamed of themselves. We're going to have Senator Lankford on with us shortly, who's amazed at the response it's getting, and wondering if maybe that could be because Republicans might feel that they're in a better position not to have something like this, that it could help Joe Biden. It wouldn't help them. How are you about this? And so Haley, naturally, because she's a machine gun when she talks, she talked and said, there are two things going on here. we got to speak hard truths. First of all, everybody's tired of a do-nothing Congress. I mean, can they do anything? Because we see nothing out of Republicans or Democrats. They have an inability to get anything done. The second thing is you can't have Trump sitting there saying, don't do anything until the election. We have a completely open border. America is acting like it's September the 10th. And we better remember what September 12th felt like. Because it only takes one person across that border to create a 9-11 moment. We need this fixed now. We need congressional members to stay in D.C. and not leave until they figure this out when I look at the border. And she went on, which she always does. She can't ever be quiet. Sometimes she says something good, but she machine guns and goes on and digs herself and finds herself in a deep hole. She added this, they need to figure this out. They need to adjust it, amend it any way that they can. And they should not leave D.C. until they get us a border bill. And no, we are not waiting until the general election to do this. And it's irresponsible to say that Congress has to wait until a general election because Trump is worried that he's going to lose. 
There's a lot of reasons we got to worry Trump's going to lose, but you don't sacrifice national security to do it. There is a plethora of nonsense in that second part of her response. They need to adjust it, amend it in any way they can. Is she stupid? Do you think the Democrats, now this is a Senate bill, okay? The bill hadn't been passed yet. There's nothing to amend. And do you honestly think that Chuck Schumer would let Republicans write any amendments and tag any amendments on this bill when it comes to the House, if it ever gets there? No, they wouldn't do that. This is a bill that's purposely put together, and it has nothing to do with border security. It has to do with locking down the border under 100% total control of Democrats, two in particular, Joe Biden and Secretary of Homeland Security Alejandro Mayorkas. They don't even try to hide it. This bill, in case you didn't know it, it's laden with ways to get out from what the verbiage, the top-line verbiage says it is to include. And Joe Biden has unilateral authority to forget about, do away with, not do any of it if he wants to. And who's set up to be the god of what is good and what is bad and all the decisions inside it? Alejandro Mayorkas. If this bill passes, and it should somehow get through the House, which I don't see that happening at all, it will change the life of every American citizen and every American legal immigrant that's here. This is not about immigration. This is about bringing people in here to be nothing but stand-ins and do one thing and one thing only that Democrats care about. Democrats, if these come in here and they by chance keep the control, have the majority in the Senate and win back the House, and we have a Democrat in the White House, you can bet a couple of things are going to happen. Number one, we will have open borders, period. Number two, they will find a way to quickly give all of these illegals that are coming in citizenship, and with that comes the right to vote. I'm serious. That's what this whole thing is about, creating a permanent fascist government controlled by a very small group of high, high up powerful Democrats. You don't agree with me? Give me another explanation then. If that wasn't the case, the fact for what they're doing, and it's just become more and more obvious in this bill, it has nothing to do with border security. They want to erase both of our borders, northern and southern. They want to be North America, period. Why would they do that? For power. Power, status on earth. The ability to order around another few hundred million people and tell them what they can and can't do. If you don't believe me, you just sit tight. Sit in your easy chair and watch whatever network you want to watch and have a good time. But this is real, and it's bad right now, but it's getting worse. But there may be 
a little saving grace in all of this for conservative Americans and for our rule of law. You know, Mitch McConnell, he is the minority leader in the U.S. Senate, Republican from Kentucky. He is nothing more than a typical rhino, Republican in name only. And he has been part of crafting this piece of legislation with his Senate counterpart, the majority leader, Chuck Schumer from New York. And Schumer's one that when he thinks he's got something up on any political opposition, he just grins and cheeses and laughs at everybody else. And you know that's where he's going when you see him start doing that. And he's been doing that with this. But in the midst of it all, let me remind you, you know who Mitch McConnell's wife is. She's the daughter of the wealthiest shipping company owner on earth. She's Chinese, and the shipping company is Chinese also. So he's got all of that going on in the background, the tugging on him, because he's in a powerful position. Even if you don't think he's very productive, he's still the minority leader in the United States Senate, so he has a lot of say-so second only to Chuck Schumer. Mitch McConnell, even though he was part of putting this thing together and had green-lighted it all the way, he is backing out. Now, the first procedural vote for this bill was set for tomorrow in the Senate. It's unknown if Majority Leader Chuck Schumer will forge ahead now. It's likely, though, he's going to do it because that's what he said he was going to do. McConnell cited yesterday the overwhelming number of Senate Republicans who are planning to vote against it, either on substance or because they wanted more time, or both. Three days. Three days. 307-page bill. And Schumer's going to force a vote. McConnell's a longtime Republican leader. He's spoken in favor of the deal, did not express any personal hesitations about it to any of his colleagues. So according to Punchbowl, that's a media outlet, McConnell said the political mood in the country has changed since they started negotiating for this bill that began months ago. At that time, McConnell and Democrat leaders agreed to pair foreign aid to Ukraine of which McConnell is the Senate's greatest champion, with a border compromise. And that's what the Republican bill does. H.R. 3. Is it 3 or 2? It's either 2 or 3. They gave that to the Democrats nine months ago. It's never been even taken up in the Senate. Now, Democrats, although mostly in favor of aiding Ukraine's stalemated war with Russia, they use McConnell's fervor for the Ukraine aid against his fellow Republicans. They dangled a proposed border compromise in exchange for aiding the European nation. Majority Leader Chuck Schumer touted his close work with McConnell on the deal. He bragged about it over the weekend. He said, I've never worked more closely with Leader McConnell on any piece of legislation as we did on this one. So leaked details of the secretive deal last week and late into the weekend, which McConnell's chosen Republican lead negotiator, Senator James Lankford, Republican of all things from Oklahoma, and other allies denied, were confirmed Sunday 
when the bill came out. Overwhelming opposition by Republicans in the Senate and elsewhere led to McConnell altering his plan last night. Even Lankford, this is the big grand author, the grand poopah over this bill. He continued championing the deal leading up to Monday night's Senate Republican conference meeting. He now will not say if he will vote to move forward on Wednesday on the deal that he negotiated. The plan would set into law many of the open border pro-migration policies Biden has instituted that have led to a wave of migration that has overwhelmed law enforcement at the southern border, and I'm being kind when I say that. So, somebody you hear regularly on the show, you haven't heard from him live since he was chosen Speaker of the House, Congressman Mike Johnson. He's my congressman, a good friend of mine personally. He's been all over this, and he is unrelenting. All of those people that thought when he was named Speaker he would be a pushover because even though he's been in the House of Representatives for a couple of terms, he's so sweet and soft, they could just bowl right over him. Not so. Joining us now, I'm delighted he's with us, the Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson. Mr. Speaker, thank you so much for being here. Now, you've said that this bill is dead on arrival in the House. Um, Here's how Senator Langford reacted to your comments on Fox and Friends. Watch. Unfortunately, he would step out and be able to see that right away before, obviously, he had had a chance to be able to read it as well and to be able to go through it. Now we've got to actually determine, are we going to just complain about things or are we going to actually address and to change as many things as we can? Mr. Speaker, you know nothing about what's in the bill uh, 12 hours or 15 hours after it passed. We we did read through it, Laura, and it did not take long to realize that this is dead on arrival. There's no way we could bring this through the House. The Senate expects us to pass a a bill, a piece of legislation that you just did a great job dismantling here. What it would do is actually further incentivize illegal immigration. It would not resolve any of the problems, not reform in any meaningful way the broken asylum system, the broken parole process, and all the things that have created this catastrophe. And by the way, meanwhile, it further empowers the very cabinet secretary who designed and created this mess. They don't follow federal law. Why would we do this anyway? But the bill itself would actually do more harm than good, and that's why we've said it's, it's a non-starter over here in the House. Um, Senator Schumer, you're very popular these days, so he also had a message for you. Watch. I say to Speaker Johnson, don't let the 30 hard right uh, people in the House who are extreme, they wanted us to default, they wanted the government not to pay its debts, they wanted us, um, the government to shut down, they're extremists, and they're running your show. Do the right thing. Do the right thing. Because it's good to give waiver waiver um, discretion to Biden and Mayorka so they can just waive the emergency anytime they feel like it. Here's my message to Senator Schumer. The American people are running the show here. We're the representatives of our constituents. The American people are on our side. They recognize this catastrophe has been disastrous for the country. Every state is a border state, and everybody knows it. I've been traveling the country, Laura, since I became Speaker of the House. I've been in 15 different states doing events. It doesn't matter whether I'm out west, in the Midwest, on Long Island, the Deep South, South Florida. The message is the same. It's the number one issue on the hearts and minds of the American people. We have to solve this crisis. And I'm going to make this point again, because Senator Schumer isn't listening, apparently. 
The President of the United States has the authority right now to fix this crisis. He has broad executive authority under the, under the federal statutes, and Chuck Schumer knows it, and President Biden knows it, and they refuse to use that. They could stop this. They could stop the flow immediately, but they don't want to, Laura, and I think you alluded to a few moments ago exactly why that is. Mr. Speaker, Axios reported that if the Senate manages to pass this sweeping national security package and the House passes the Israel-only bill, they could head to what is called a conference committee in an attempt to reconcile the differences, according to one House Republican. And that translation here for people watching is that McConnell could try to get his open borders measure through a conference committee. How will you prevent that maneuver from happening? We're going to use every tool in our arsenal, our arsenal to ensure that that does not happen. And by the way, in the last half hour, President Biden came out and said that he would actually veto the legislation, the clean funding bill, to help our ally Israel at its time of greatest need. Israel is at war. Uh, they, they're fighting for their very existence. And the president has our troops in harm's way now because of the deterrence effort against Iran. And he is suggesting that he would not send the funding to abandon our ally right now. That is outrageous. I mean, everybody who is watching this is scratching their heads wondering how in the world we've gotten into this situation. This president is projecting weakness on the world stage. He is not willing to fix the greatest crisis facing our country, which is the open border. And, and they've just shown a, a, a staggering uh, level of leadership that, um, that I think the American people are going to let their voices heard at the uh, lack of leadership. They're going to let their voices heard at the election cycle. I, I, that's why his polling well, why is so low. Uh, this, this is, uh, the, the people see what's happening here. Why do you think that Lankford and Schumer and, and McConnell and all of them, why don't they go back to their hometowns and their states and have town halls on this, Mr. Speaker? What do you think the people would say? Go through the specifics, how many people would still be able to come in, the thresholds, the discretion, all of that, and let the people voice their opinions. Do you expect that to happen? I can tell you what hap would happen in a town hall anywhere in the country right now. People know the, the numbers. We've, the official number, of course, is over 7 million people who have been encountered at the border, uh, over 2 million gotaways that are known, you know, over 300 people on the terrorist watch list that have been allowed into the country or, or stopped there. But we don't know how many people have actually come over. We don't know what terrorist cells are set up around the country. Fentanyl is the leading cause of death. But they say this solves that. They, but they say this solves that, Mr. Speaker. They, they want to sell this political message to try to understand undercut Trump and hurt you, that this is going to be solved or, or, or seriously ameliorated, the crisis, because of this. They all have to come through the ports of entry now and, and, and all the other provisions I went through. And your response? Well, you've done a good job explaining the real details of what this actually would accomplish. And in our view, it's an immigration bill, not a border security bill. We have to secure that border. We have an obligation to do it. It's a moral obligation. It's a legal and constitutional obligation. And the White House has done this by design. They intentionally enacted these policies. Remember, we documented over 64 instances where the president himself and his agencies have used executive authority to create the current situation, to create the catastrophe. He could unwind those right now. The stroke of a pen. President Biden could fix this, but he does not want to do it. And, and I think Mr. there's going to be a, a price to pay at the election. The Border Patrol Union has, has said, come out and said, the bill is better than the status quo. Does that affect your thinking on this? Well, I, I think it does have something to do with the pay structure that's in the bill. I understand that they're desperate uh, for, for measures that will assist, okay? But look, we yeah. took 64 Republicans down to the, the Del Rio 
uh, sector down at Eagle Pass in early January, and they told us from their own perspective there, it's as if we're administering an open fire hydrant. We don't need more buckets. We need to stop the flow. We know how to do that. The president has the existing authority under the statutes, and he ought to use it. He could suspend all entries into the country if he deems it to be in the nation's interest. That's exactly what the statute says. Uh, Section 212F of the Immigration and Nationality Act. Everybody should Google it and read it for themselves. The president claims he doesn't have that authority, even though it's been used so many times over the last couple of decades by previous presidents. He pretends it doesn't exist. It's, it's not an excuse that is palatable for the American people, and they're see right through this. Mr. Speaker, are you going to be able to stop this, Bill? We're going to do everything within our power. I, when I say it's dead on arrival, I mean dead on arrival. Um, we, we, we're going to have to work this every other angle that we can and ensure that we're taking care of our responsibilities here. The House Republicans are dug in and ready to do that. All right, Mr. Speaker, thank you very much. So there you got it from the horse's mouth. Mike Johnson with Laura. Laura tried to throw some questions out there and stumble, caused Mike to stumble, but he's a seasoned... <laughs> litigation attorney. He's he's actually pled cases before the U.S. Supreme Court. And he's a really young guy, but he knows what he's talking about. And he is sticking to the letter of what the Republicans promised the American people they would do. Well, guess who just lumbered into the studio here? Mr. Baker is joining us live. He drove in from Washington, D.C. just to be with us here. Good morning, buddy. Good morning. How are you, Dan? I'm good. I uh, did not know you were coming through town. I know we got together over the weekend, but I thought you were headed somewhere else until I got your text. It's always better to have you. It's good when we have you on the phone, but it's better when you're here in the studio with us. Well, it's because I sound like you in here. <laughs> when you have good equipment, it right. makes it a little better, doesn't it? It's it's much better than my uh, AirPods. <laughs> From the front seat of my car. Yeah, our people have heard you on your AirPods several times. So we've just been going through the latest, latest, latest on this bill, the Senate bill that they call a, uh, they call it a border security, but it's not. It's right. an immigration bill. It's worse than that. And it's, and it's horrible. And even Lankford would not. He's the author of the bill. Yeah. He would not say last night, that he was going to vote for it. He was asked point blank. <laughs> He's not. Mitch McConnell's out. And we hear or understand that as of last night, 20 more Republican senators are out. So it's kind of leaking on old Joe Biden. And it, and it should be. Well, first of all, I hate any bill that is not a single issue document. Period. That, that's exactly what Congressman Mike Johnson right. told us. If he ever got in the leadership role, we would go back to regular order. What that means, let me spell it out for people that don't understand it. It comes every bill that wants to be considered by the House or the Senate, it comes to the Speaker of the House or the Majority Leader in the Senate. They determine if their House is going to even pick it up for consideration. Hmm. Regular order then says he or she sends it out to the appropriate committees to break it open, ask questions, bring in witnesses, propose amendments, and get a final product that then goes back to the Speaker or the Majority Leader to determine if it goes before the full House or the full Senate to be debated, bringing in witnesses, all that kind of stuff. And finally, will we take up that bill for a vote? Right. That's gone. Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer destroyed that. 
It's now they hide a bunch of people up in wherever in the capital that they stay, and they craft every bill that's going to be presented. They fill it full of, like this one is over 300 pages, full of crap, and it's never a standalone single-issue bill, and therefore we call them omnibus bills. It includes everything. It's a bill that they can use to come back and say later, do you see why Senator so-and-so or Representative so-and-so, what they did? They opposed the border bill. No, they didn't. They opposed the other um, 475 pages that (laughs) followed it. They had nothing to do with the border. But whatever that title is, if the title is the Save the Cute Seals of 1924 bill, then all of the spending, all of the um, the pork, all of the legislation, all of the rights-destroying um, uh, regulations that are inside of that, the tax increases, all of these things that are 2,000 pages of nonsense behind the title page is what the good guys vote against. But then when they come up from re-election, oh, he voted against the Save the Cute Seals Act. Yeah. He's a horrible human. Yeah. They can double whammy it. They bring it out, and it includes everything but the kitchen sink. And then if anybody opposes any part of the bill, they'll just say, if it was like you just said, Mm -hmm. the important part of it, voted against it. Well, they didn't. They voted against the other crap. Everything. Yeah, and and this is exactly what this bill is. And And this bill is horrendous. Let's just say it's only three parts. Let's just, because it is, you know, 300, 350 pages is, you know, for them, that's kind of a short piece of yeah, legislation. Yeah. Um, but the uh, if we're talking about a single uh, border bill, first of all, it's not needed. We have the laws are only on the books. This is wasted legislation. This is wasted time. They are wasting our time. And, and of course, I like it when they run up against um, uh, roadblocks and they can't do anything. I, I believe that gridlock is good, especially when we're talking about Congress. Um, when they don't do anything, that's a good thing. Let, let's just all let that marinate in our minds for a moment. <laughs> because when was the last time you saw any piece of legislation that furthered our rights, that extended our you know our privileges, that lowered our taxes, that reduced regulations? You know that's not what bills do. So when they don't do anything, we're we're, we're better off than when they do. But when you talk about a bill that has three major components, the border issues, which A, are not needed, as I already said. B, you have massive, massive additional funding for Ukraine. Ultimately, folks, that's what this bill is, is a bill to continue the money laundering that's going on in all of the pet projects that our world elites have going on over there that are using the Ukraine as a money as the money laundering capital of the world right now and and this this war uh, to justify it and then of course then you have the Israeli Gaza issues and Iran and all of those other things that are funded into this bill as well sorry these these are all too important to be piled in upon each other, and they know it. There is not a single reason in the world why, re- why reasonable men and women up there on Capitol Hill cannot look at each other across the desk, across the table, across the aisle, and say to one another, let's just do a clean border bill. That's it. If it's really about the border, then let's talk about the border, and let's vote on a bill about the border. If, we go- if we're going to vote on 
Ukrainian funding legislation. Let's make it a clean bill, and let's bring that bill to the American people. Let's not bring confusion, chaos, and a convoluted mess to the people because that's how – see, that's what you and I, Dan, know. We know that that's why they do that because that's how they slip all of these things under the cover of darkness. But that's what we're up against here with this bill. Again, fortunately, it looks like our guy from this town where we <laughs> sit right now, where you and I both sit, has said that it's dead on arrival in the House. So good. I'm 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 pleased with him for once. And I hope he sticks with it. And I, I believe too. he will. He's got a lot of backing by a lot of powerful people. I hope so. Americans, conservatives especially, are waking up. They've kind of felt like they were feckless. They couldn't do anything. And, of course, most people in Congress like it that way. They want to be the bosses of everybody. Mm. But let me ask you a question. We haven't talked about what I'm going to ask you directly here. In the big scheme of things, the big picture, in this whole border stuff, what do you feel the end game is for Democrats, all of them, that are pushing so hard for this border to not be closed up? What do you think? Define Democrats. Are we talking about leadership in D.C. or are we talking about the grassroots voters? When you talk about Democrats, you're talking about, of course, leadership. But you also have to factor in that Democrat voters in large or sheeple, they're going to follow whatever the Democrats in leadership in Congress are going to put out there for them. I know what the grassroots voters are saying because I follow social media very closely. And they are saying that, of course, they're repeating the talking points that they're getting in their newsletters because just like you and I, yeah, we get emails. I got, you know, I get a hundred or maybe two hundred political emails a day. I can't even I can't even unsubscribe fast enough because they share their lists. So I get I get those. They do too. And as a result of that, I know that the honest but maybe uninformed of the grassroots Democratic voters believe with all of their hearts, because they're they're parroting the talking points, that we need these people because we don't have enough to fulfill the basic, you know, minimum wage type jobs that are that are necessary to keep our country running. We don't have the burger flippers, we don't have the farm workers, we don't have the, you know, the people that'll get down in a ditch and dig holes. Um, that's all a lie, but that's what they believe and that's what they've been convinced of. So they do support them. Now, let's go to the real problem. If we're talking about Democratic leadership and we're talking about what I see in D.C. all of the time, I see a group of people who are absolutely convinced that they have to initiate and they have to foster chaos in this country in order to make that final great transformation of this country into whatever that dream was that Barack Obama had uh, back in 2008 where he said we have to fundamentally transform this country. And that is, um, that is the end goal of this. This is why when you, when you bring in, it doesn't matter what the number is anymore, 8 million just during the Biden administration, 12. Well, you know, how, many, how many years did we say we have 11 million illegal immigrants when we were up to 40? One of the leaders in the Border Patrol yesterday actually got angry. And he said this, and I forget what he was on. It may have been with Bill Maher, but I don't think it was. Somebody like that, mm -hmm. a Democrat. He said, 8 million? He said, it's nothing, 8 million. He said, 
I know factually it's at least 13, if not 15 million, have come in yeah. under Joe Biden. Yeah. I, I saw a video this weekend of a lady, a um, lower middle class black woman walking through her neighborhood in Oakland. I don't know if you saw this video or not. I didn't. And she point, she was pointing out all of the national chains and the stores that were leaving and that were closing, that had already closed. She pointed at the empty Costco. She pointed, She now she's walking through this, this developed area that looks like any other modern developed area in the country where you have all the big box stores, how they all kind of congregate together. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, we, and we've got this, you know, situation here in Shreveport up here on uh, Uri Drive, you know, where o- over the years, all of a sudden, everything kind of builds out around you. you. You've got your target as your anchor, and then all of those big box stores then come out beside it. And then you go down to another block, and, you, and you've got another anchor. It might be Walmart. It might be Costco. It might be Sam's Club. It might be Ross whatever and then all the other big box stores build out around it so she was walking through this neighborhood narrating as she walked through showing the ones that were now closing for no other and she said and she said this she said how how are we going to live now these are our jobs leaving and but they're leaving because of crime they're leaving because of this chaos they're leaving and she specifically said when you have this many people coming in with this many immigrants without the resources, without housing, they can't afford housing. So where are they going to live? They're going to live on the streets. And then of course that fosters the, the, the criminality that fosters the, the, the cesspool of crime that happens around that. And, and here, and here all of the places where she, and if she, if she even pointed at the empty, what she goes, this used to be a Walmart. She said, you know, if you can't have a Walmart in your town, <laughs> you can't done. make it. Yeah, no, you can't no, make that's it. what she said. I mean, she was very astute in that regard. Yeah. We can't survive if we can't keep a Walmart. And that's exactly what, this is the answer to your question. This is the chaos that they want because ultimately the people reach a point where what do they cry for, Dan? Relief. Give us a king. Yeah, there you go. Give us a king. Israel did the same thing. Remember, God didn't want the people of Israel to have a king. He sent people in, prophets in, that would work. But he didn't think they wanted a king. Well, they got a king, and hell broke loose. Yeah. Um, It's about the people. And if it's not about the people, any people in leadership, it's not about the people they're in leadership over, but it's about them, themselves. It'll never be sustainable. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where we are. We mentioned Bill Maher just a minute ago. Dave Rubin and Bill Maher together. That's a good pair. Mm. Here's what old Bill had to say about this mess. If you just give me a new law, a new law, why doesn't the president can fix this? He already has the existing law. And now I'd like to give Bill a little credit because on his main program, Real Time, uh, Bill is getting it when it comes to the Democrat nonsense around the border. The fact that right this very moment, the president who only weeks ago, his entire clown administration was saying there's no crisis at border. Now they're all acknowledging there's a crisis at the border, but they're pretending still that Biden can't just fix it right now. Well, Bill called him out on that. Part two of the acting yeah. is Joe, is, is Joe oh, Biden you? saying, you know what, if you just give me a new law, a new law, 
Why doesn't the president can fix this? He already has the existing laws. And border patrol this, this will is say also that right to your face. I need a piece of yeah. paper from Congress to deal with the border. No, you already have that. That's right. That's right. All right. So now again, Bill, you are supporting the guy and you voted for the guy last time. So you have to think about that, I suppose. But that is good. He is saying to his liberal audience that we want to get there and they, some of them get there in slow-mo. He's saying to them, Biden can fix this freaking thing right now. It's on Biden. It's not on the Republicans. But speaking of Republicans, Republican leader, Mike Johnson, uh, he tweeted out that clip and he wrote this. Even Bill Maher gets it. President Biden absolutely has the authority right now to fix the catastrophe he's created at the border. And that is absolutely true, right? You guys know it. One of those very few things that the federal government is supposed to do is protect the border. Not only are they not protecting the border, now they are in a fight with the states, specifically Texas, but it's going to come to all the border states and then it'll come to the non-border states too when they are trying to do something about the border because the federal government will not do their job. That's absolutely factual. When you have a guy like Bill Maher, who's a hardcore leftist, saying the obvious that we've all been saying, you don't need another piece of legislation. Just enforce the law. Let me tell you, yesterday was probably the hottest show that has ever been on TNN Live. I was on fire. As we say down south, it's better to be pissed off than pissed on. (laughs) Well, yesterday I was PO'd, I promise you. And I got so mad and angry about this immigration bill and the legality, the illegality that's going on. People don't believe that there's real federal laws that what Joe Biden is doing is a crime. I pulled out both the two statutes. Mm-hmm. One is for anybody that comes across the border illegally, what their punishment is. It defines everything ad nauseum. But the second one applies only to those who allow it to happen or promote it happening, and it defined what promoting it happened mm-hmm. was, which is exactly what Joe Biden does from the White House. And way before Mike got the House Speakership when they were talking about impeaching Joe Biden, we talked about that live on the air here, and we talked about it privately as well. But he made it very clear. He's a constitutional expert. Again, he's argued cases before the U.S. Supreme Court and won. So he knows what he's talking about. He said, this is unfathomable. You have the number one politician on the globe that sits up there, and remember what he did a few weeks ago. The Supreme Court came down and popped him for giving that money Mm -hmm. away for the student debt loans. He said, the the Supreme Court said, you don't have that power. That belongs strictly to the House. So what does he do? He giggles and says, they told me I couldn't do it. Well, I'm doing it again. And he put out his second bill. Doesn't give a rip about the rule of law. Doesn't give a rip about an oath to the Constitution. You can't reconcile that with being a president of the United States. You just can't do it. And they just ignore that, they being the Democrat Party leadership. Well, they're ignoring everything about him right now. My God, Dan, did you see the recent thing of his mumbling utterance about Mitterrand? We, we, Yeah, Mitterrand, who died 10 years ago. 1995 or something. Yeah, something like that. The old French. 25 years ago, 28 years ago. Yeah. 
And he went on like he talked to him last night. Yeah. And you know what? Maybe he did. He probably did. And that's the, <laughs> but see, you and I both know because of what we've dealt with in our own families with with relation to dementia, he probably does remember that as yesterday or last week or when he was visiting the south part of England last year. His, his, the, the, the synapses in his brain are no longer firing accurately any yeah, longer. Yeah. Well, I um, every week you can very easily go online and find a whole potpourri of the previous week's Bidenisms, those things, and I'm almost afraid to play them now because it sounds like or it seems like we're making fun of the guy, an old man, and we're not. It's past. It's past that, Dan. We yeah. Did we have fun with it? Yes, we've had fun with it. We and, giggled a few times. Uh, maybe a couple times. <laughs> right, right. But we are well past that now. We are. Yeah. We are in a, a. We're in a national emergency right now. Absolutely. Where they are. They're actually flaunting. This is what makes it worse. It's not that they're just taking an advantage of a man who no longer has control of his faculties. It's not just that. And using him as a puppet, that's not the problem. The problem is, is that this is revealing to us that there is, in fact, someone behind the curtain, and now they're flaunting it because everybody sees it now. You don't get to watch this Mitterrand comment and and give him a pass. No, it, the, the days of giving him a pass are over. That's not that's not old Uncle Joe. You know he's going to say stuff like that. No, no, we're past hair sniffing. You know, seven year old girls. So, what do you think is going to happen? I, still, I don't. I, I don't want to spend a lot of time on what we're going to no. see happen. There are a lot of theories out there about Joe not making it get to the convention and put somebody else up to replace him on the ballot. I think every day that possibility becomes more a probability. Your thoughts? You know that I've been saying it on this show for a year and a half. Yeah. Joe was not going to make it uh, to the election day, and it's probably going to be something that they will do at convention time because that way they can circumvent and bypass the expense, the problems of campaigns and uh, primaries, and which they're not participating in right now anyway. So that's what they're going to do. They're just going to they're going to hold this whole thing to the convention, and then they're going to roll out to us who the next anointed one is. Before we go to break, I've got one more thing. I'm going to piggyback on what you just said. Who do you think that might be? It won't be Gavin Newsom. <laughs> I can tell you who's already been asked and hasn't completely responded, partially but not completely, Michelle Obama. Mm. Think about that. you want a response right now or after the break? <laughs> go ahead. Let's do it now. We'll go do it going to break. Yeah, I mean, uh, Michelle has been very adamant that this is not something that she wants. But then again, you know, maybe the position no longer requires a person to actually actively be present if you were being run from behind the curtain. Well, the Wizard of Oz still exactly. lives around the corner from right. the Capitol now. That's Barack exactly Obama. It. That's exactly it. If she gets to just be a figurehead and she can go ahead and live the the life of uh, you know one of the uh, elites then and, and, and not have the responsibilities of running the country as Joe Biden 
folks does not have the responsibilities of running the country. I'm telling you that right now. Then maybe she's like going, well, okay, yeah, I can do that. I can't see her wanting to do it because she's got everything. She's got a, a mansion on the water in Martha's Vineyard. She's got another one in Hawaii. She's got this huge multi-million dollar mm-hmm. estate in Washington, D.C. They're all paid for. And then just imagine they're going to get $455,000 a year and 24-7 Secret Service until Barack dies. Yeah. That's a pretty good deal. Yeah, Private airplane everywhere yeah. you go. I think I could handle that. What about you? Without the responsibilities? Yeah, Absolutely. That, that would be great. Absolutely. Just think about it. The only thing you'd have to worry about was, where am I going to go to lunch today? <laughs> and if I'm going to go to lunch at some chain, is it going to be one in, I don't know, London, Paris, I'll Honolulu? Just, I'll just bring in Wolfgang Puck to make my lunch. There you me. go. I've always got my son, Caleb. He's a gourmet chef. When we come back, we're going to do something we never have done before on this show. And I'm glad Steve's here to share it. Don't go anywhere. Back in about two minutes at TNN Live. Talking with you, not at you. Intelligent conversation. TNN, the Truth News Network. Are they? Here's the latest traffic report. Looks like miles of trouble-free driving with Napa Auto Parts. Your local Napa Auto Parts dealer in Modesto has a full line of quality parts for your car or truck. Napa Auto Parts keeps America running, and Modesto Auto and Truck is ready to keep your vehicle running in tip-top shape for years to come. So if you think your car or truck needs help under the hood, think of Napa Auto Parts at Modesto Auto and Truck Parts, 924 G Street in downtown Modesto, 529-8342. 529-8342. Ah, luxury. The aroma is full-bodied, the flavor is decadent, the touch divine, and the drive, yes, the drive of luxury is Uh, simply infinity. Introducing the Infinity Luxury Test Tour. If you think you are familiar with luxury, you haven't driven an infinity. Infinity of Elk Grove invites you to truly become familiar with luxury and take a luxury test tour. It's like a test drive, but with more luxury. We invite you to drive luxury to luxury, not for an hour or even a day, but for an entire weekend. Your choice. Select your Infinity and motor off to a luxury weekend in Lake Tahoe or Napa Valley. And yes, all the luxury is on us. Introduce yourself to LuxuryTestTour.com and truly become familiar with luxury. Infinity of Elk is literally giving you the keys to a luxury experience like none other. LuxuryTestTour.com. Drive luxury, drive infinity. Infinity of Elk Grove. Expect more. We don't tell you what to think, but we give you truth to think about. This is TNN, the Truth News Network. TruthNewsNet.org. I know, I know, I just committed the ultimate faux pas in radio. I left Steve's mic on. And you probably heard us talking about the likelihood that Michelle Obama might be replacing Joe Biden as the Democrat candidate for president. Were we on during the break, too? Just your part of it. My mic? Yeah, I I turned mine. Look, look, I'm not used to you being in the studio with me. So I turn mine off every time. And... uh, you didn't cuss, at least. That's a good thing. I'm trying to remember what else I said during those two <laughs> minutes, though. Hey, listen. One of the greats in country music, 62 years old, died yesterday. I haven't even mentioned any of this to you, Steve. 
What did you think about Toby Keith? I, well, look, you know, I appreciated his uh, patriotism post 9-11, and I am not a country music follower or fan. I'm not either. And uh, he, to me, blends in with those that, uh, you know, and when I say the word ilk, that's not a pejorative. Yeah. But he blends in with a larger uh, group of those country ilk type uh, musicians. And so it was really hard for me to distinguish him. I actually did not really pay attention to him that much until after his diagnosis because I'm just not a country music guy. And this is despite the fact that I did make an effort to insert myself into the country music world pre-COVID. I was managing an artist out of Muscle Shoals, who is a country, almost outlaw country type artist, um, Americana, uh, slash, slash that kind of that. fits with muscle shoals. Yeah, yeah, and and so I um, uh, I was making a real effort at that time, but I still was not really plugged into to the 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 big radio hit artist country. Yeah. Now old yeah. country, oh yeah. yes, yeah, we, we grew up with that. Yeah, you know? but then this new wave of country uh, that he was really a part of was not something that I uh, had had ever uh, been a fan of. When somebody's in the entertainment business or does what we do, I remember when Rush Limbaugh passed away. I actually cried. Mary yeah. Ann came upstairs to the studio to tell me, I mean, he was the pioneer for talk radio. I mean, the real into it talk radio. There were talk radio shows, but yeah. it was pretty much all fluff. Yeah. So they make a mark. Toby Keith made something of a mark. And I wanted to honor him. I want to play, <clears throat> excuse me, I want to play his last big hit. And I like it for two reasons. Number one, it was the uh, feature song in that Clint Eastwood movie, Mule. Mm -hmm. Remember that? Yeah. It's where he was a dr drug mule who was hauling right. drugs in his pickup truck for these people. An old man. Mm -hmm. And um, the second thing is it's about an old man. And uh, I don't like to brag about it, but I am one. Don't forget to turn my mic off. I will. <laughs> Toby Keith. Don't let the old man in. Don't let the old man in. I won't leave it some more. Can't leave it up to him. He's knocking on my door. And I knew all of my life. That someday it would end Get up and go outside Don't let the old man in Many months I have lived My body's weathered and worn Ask yourself how would you be if you didn't know the day you were born Try to love on your wife And stay close to your friends Toast each sun down with wine Don't let the old man Mm-hmm. 
dreams I have lived My body's weathered and worn Ask yourself how would you be If you didn't know the day you were born When he rides up on his horse And you feel that cold bitter Look out your window and smile Don't let the old man in Look out your window and smile Don't let the old man in Well, that was from the movie Mule and Steve uses that line Pretty regularly. Tell us that story. Every morning. Tell us what it is. No. I, I, the, after, after I heard in an interview, Clint Eastwood say, uh, when asked the question, how is it a man at your age? I mean, he was already in his 90s when I heard him respond to this question. He said, how do you continue to do this? How do you continue to make movies? And he said, I wake up every morning and I don't let the old man in. And ever since I heard that line, Dan, I wake up every morning <laughs> and i have a i have no, seriously i have like I, believe you. I have two or three things i do every morning to prove to myself that i have not let the old man in wow well some of you folks that may not resonate with people like steve and i i'm i'm a few years older than he is you understand that when you get to a certain point if you look around you people that you watch get old some people just seems like when they really get to that point they just throw in the towel. It's They're like, done. I'm just going to let what's going to happen, happen. But then there are people like us. You know, I'm not I'm not giving in and giving no. up until they put me in the box. No. Because I'm going to keep fighting and doing everything that I possibly can do. Anyway, I like Clint Eastwood. I always have. I liked him in the old cowboy days. He's my favorite. He's my, what you were talking about earlier, you know, when, our heroes die. Sometimes you, you you shed a tear, even though we may have never knew them personally. Yeah, but when Clint goes, it'll be a be a big be deal. Title away for me. It'll be a big deal for all of us. Anyway, Steve Baker. In case you didn't know it, he is here in studio with us today. He's in the middle of making one of those monumental treks that he's known for. He does not fly commercially. He drives. If it's worth going to, he's going to drive. As a matter of fact, he just mentioned a few seconds ago that he's contemplating making a drive just to go by to be part of a band that uh, he's been affiliated with for a long time that's doing a farewell concert kind of a ways away from here, Minneapolis. <laughs> you don't get in a car and just run by Minneapolis. Hey, 1,000 miles, is uh, <laughs> that's, just, that's just an overnighter for me. <laughs> 17 hours. Wow. Anyway, I want to segue in. We haven't talked about this mess going on over in the Middle East. And, of course, our amazing president has now retaliated, we're told, over and over and over again. However, it took them five days to even hit back at all after they started telegraphing what they were going to do. My thoughts are there's something going on there. That's my opinion, but everything points in that direction. When we hear the makeup of the places where all of these 
millions of dollars of U.S. military hardware is being spent over there. Missiles, they they flew B-2 bombers over there to do the first one, which mm-hmm. is unnecessary mm-hmm. and very expensive. It was done for show. The people over there are saying, you know what? They're not hitting anything that's critical. They're not doing anything. They're not killing people. Of course, you know, when the first attack happened, we were told there were 35 people killed. It was an abandoned area. It was warehouses put together, and there were nothing of critical importance in those warehouses. So what's going on there, in your opinion? You remember shock and awe? Yeah. This is like shucks and awe. <laughs> Elaborate, <laughs> would you? Shucks and awe. No, I mean, there, it's, 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 it's all theater, Dan. It's all theater. I don't, you know, when it, it, it's, it is truly cliche <laughs> at this point, but we always say that George Orwell's 1984 was not intended as an instruction manual, but that's what we're watching right now. Absolutely. It's playing out just like it was written as it, a movie script. It, it is. Uh, and, and that's exactly what we're seeing. We're, we're seeing show and tell and, when even though it's show and tell, you can you can better trust seven year old Susie in second grade class doing show and tell whatever she's going to bring forward than you can trust whatever the federal government puts in front of us. And this is where we're coming down to right now, Dan. I, and I it, I mentioned earlier in the show today that I, I I spend a lot of time on social media. It's sure there's a I have a actual career reason for for the time that I spend there, and. Uh, I, I, I've I've just come to the place where I realize that you either believe in what the government says or you don't, and yeah. that's almost the differentiation right now in or the polarization between Americans. It's we either believe them or we don't, and I happen to be on the don't side of it. Why, list. Steve? I can't imagine. Yeah, well, I could give you a list of reasons right now. Well, I know we and both can. And they're coming through on my phone. I'm watching them as they're as the, the <laughs> messages are stacking up right now because these every one of these messages that I'm looking at are coming from DC at this moment. So, uh, is that a good sign or a bad sign? It's not a good sign. Oh my goodness! Well, do you want to you want to share any of the latest latest with our audience or or not? What's the latest on the J6 stuff that pertains to you? Yeah, anybody that saw my tweet last night will. Sh- it'll give you an indication of the frustrations that I'm dealing with right now and getting the resources that we need to tell our stories. Look, Dan, since I joined the blaze, I have a job to do, right? Okay. I am now actually in the employ of somebody for the first time in 40 years. I have to, I have to earn my paycheck and I have been so bound up by the processes in DC of which I have become reliant upon in these investigations, you know, the contacts, the sources, the insiders, um, the the leakers. Let's just call it what it is. You know, this is this is how we get the information that we get in order to continue the investigations that we're working on, hoping to get to the answers. But I am um, I am less concerned still, despite my paycheck. I'm less concerned now with getting a scoop or beating Revolver News or Julie Kelly or anybody else to that scoop than I am with, A, the truth, 
and B, the destroyed and devastated lives that I'm trying to do something for related to January 6th. You know, these guys who who perjured themselves in trials, so to speak, or, or as an example, rather, that sent um, innocent people to prison for decades. Uh, these individuals who are now hiding evidence at the highest levels of government and covering up evidence at the highest levels of government agencies about, oh, little things like DNC pipe bombs and Capitol Police malfeasance, things of that nature. Um, and I was really frustrated yesterday watching um, the Rules Committee hearing on um, Alejandro Mayorkas about whether they were going to impeach him or not. It was a very civilized debate. I mean, it was a very civilized hearing between House members, left and right, obviously, but they actually had leading House members were the witnesses, yes. like Benny Thompson. Yes. And when it finally got around to Thomas Massey's turn to question him, he managed to work in the pipe bomb. And he asked him, have you ever seen the videos, Mr. Thompson? Now, understand, he was the chairman of the House Select Committee Absolutely, yeah. on January 6th. Yeah. He was the main guy. And he said, no, I've never seen those. And Dan, I just lost it. I'm, I mean... I, I couldn't even get to Twitter or X fast enough to tweet out that Representative Benny Johnson has just said that he's never seen the videos, but he would like to because then he could, because he actually said these words. He said, it would be nice to inform the ATF and the FBI about what is going on. And I tweeted and said, give me the GD videos. <laughs> and I'll, that I've seen with my own eyes, and I will tell them what's going on. Let me say this about that to you people that are listening in. In Washington, D.C., anything that happens government-wise, even in facilities or whatever, it is automatically classified. And that means there are a group of, a small group of people that grab the video, grab the audio, and it belongs to the federal government, the Capitol Police, the Department of Justice, FBI, a number of ways to hide that stuff to keep the American people from seeing what they don't want us to see. Steve showed that, and you you saw it on truthnewsnet.org, a piece of it. What was said over and over and over again in the Oath Keepers trials and the other trials, these Capitol policemen that he's been talking about and writing about, he's been on the show talking about them, they made allegations, they gave facts as facts, even in testimony before Congress and during trials, and Steve, without any kind of uh, explanation to it, there is none, Steve in his investigative work, he was able to pull up videos, Capitol Police videos, that were date and time stamped to the second that proved that these Capitol policemen were lying. They were here looking at this at this time, and he had video that showed them somewhere else at that particular time. Can you imagine, and you're in the business now. This is what you do, investigative journalists, formally. You got a boss, Blaze Network. Mm -hmm. Even with all of what you've done in your background, integrating with people like us here, 
Have you ever seen anything so sinister and so evil being perpetrated against the American people by people in our government? We've seen it before, Dan. I've just never been this close to it. Well, you're in it. Yeah. I mean, you're not close to it. You're no, in it. No. Uh, when, you, when you walk from one um, congressional office building to another and you get a different story from the people that are even allegedly on the same team, and you get a different story from one office to another, it's pretty tough to navigate. And you find out that a well-known, well-liked, pretty powerful member of the U.S. Congress that is paralleling in some ways the investigation work that you're doing, and he can't get videos. He, like you, has been able to see, look at them, but you can't prove it to the public without having documentation, evidence. And they, being the people on the other side that created this whole cartoon show yep they control everything dan i have played by the rules since access to these videos were granted uh originally the rules um written by uh um, representative uh, and speaker mccarthy when mike johnson became the speaker uh, he put out a new press release through his office with a new set of rules and we followed those rules to the letter for our access as a result of that Myself and the Blaze team, we have had more man eyes or more man hours, uh, more eyes and more man hours on those Capitol CCTV viewing uh, uh, videos than any other organization. Maybe, maybe more than anybody, any other one person, except maybe an internal house investigator of some sort. Except that I can tell you that despite the fact that we played by the rules from the beginning of this, we are now being denied key videos that are at the top of the American public's interest right now because of these reveals of a, over the last couple of weeks about this DMC pipe bomb thing and the lackadaisical nature of the Secret Service's re- response to those bombs and their uh, the fact that then Vice President-elect Kamala Harris was in the building only feet away from this, what the FBI calls a viable bomb, viable device. And, (laughs) Dan, I've seen all the videos related to that. And even Representative Thomas Massey, who sits on the Judiciary Committee, who sits on House Weaponization Committee, who last night I heard talking about this on the House Rules Committee, he can't get the videos. Why? I can speculate, but I won't. <laughs> okay. Well, there's uh, no. You know. We understand. You know why, you know why Dan? You yeah. know why Dan? And and your listeners know why. Yeah. There are powerful forces out there that does not want the truth to be known, and they are doing everything they can to block our access to that. And I will tell you that. I'll tell you exactly what I have told the powers that be. And that is, I'm going to write the story regardless of whether you give me the videos or not. Whoa. I'm going to tell the story, and I have an other set of, I have many other sets of eyeballs that I've put on this video. I had somebody in the viewing room yesterday. I was feeding them camera numbers and telling them to go look to get another set of eyeballs on this, Dan. 
that was happening just yesterday morning. Me in Shreveport, the other set of eyeballs in D.C. So I'm up to now four sets of eyeballs on these videos. So I told the powers that be, I'm going to tell this story either in cooperation with you or not. Wow. Well, um, you're already in the DOJ's bullseye. <laughs> yeah. What might happen to you just from that if you do it, if you follow through? What can uh, you say? And if you can't say anything, just... No, I'll, 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 I'll reiterate what has already been told to you by others. I mean, we have been told by others that know that are on the inside or were at the time that these were not viable devices. These were diversionary devices. Who were they planted by? We don't know. We also have zero proof that those bombs were actually planted by the hoodie figure, you know, at 7.30, 8 o'clock at night, the night before on January 5th, that they've been showing us for three years, you know, this, this blurry hoodie wearing guy, you know, passing yeah. through very grainy, just cameras. a passerby. Yeah. The, the passerby, um, there's no evidence that he dropped those bombs. It's just that he was in both locations. Yeah. He sat in the bench next to where the DNC bomb was, but we never actually ever see him place that bomb. And we also, as I have said before, because we've heard it from many sources that this these were in fact not viable devices. Massey has said it. Uh, Kyle Serafin, the former uh, F, or the FBI whistleblower, he said it. And I'll tell your audience right now, I've seen the detonation with my own eyes. It's not even a black cat firecracker if we're talking about viability. Or Wait a minute. It was a bomb. Force. It was a bomb, Steve. Yeah, yeah. The other one was too. That's what they told us. Well, they're the government. They would never lie to we, what the we people, were, would they? What were we just talking about a moment ago? You either believe the government or you don't. Yeah. There's no middle ground, no. incidentally. Oh, my gosh. How old are your children? 25 and 28. We think about our kids. We have three kids, six grandkids. Our oldest grandson is 25, and they go down from there. And I look at what you and I see happening in D.C. and coming out of D.C., mm -hmm. and I think about what these people are living in, these young people are going through right now, they're more concerned about social media than eating. <laughs> yeah. TikTok. Did you know this? We know how much crap comes from TikTok here in the United States. Every kid has got a TikTok account. Do you know that in China, TikTok has been illegal from the very beginning? No, I did not know that. Yes, there is no TikTok <laughs> in China. Now, they have other social media out Lips, right, but right. they're, of course, controlled by Xi Jinping right. and the Chinese Communist Party, but no TikTok. But they made it available to us. Isn't that kind of those commies yeah. to let us do that? Not only is it proven to be um, detrimentally addictive, uh, I do not have it, will not have it on my I don't account. either. I don't either. Um, but even though it has been proven to be psychologically detrimentally addictive, 
it is an avenue right now and where whereby our our younger generations are being brainwashed sure that's exactly what they are we have a young man that's going to be on this show he's been a lifelong friend of ours here and he is the u.s government person single person that works directly with programmers and leaders in tiktok regarding everything that comes out on tiktok in the united states and He's been threatened numerous times for his life. He works directly with the Chinese communist people at the top of that ladder. And I couldn't do the job that he's doing. And he's only about 25 years old, 26 years old. Um, this is all big to people in the other countries around the planet. This is really big. Nothing you see is happening on the world stage. Everything that's happening in Ukraine. Everything that's happening in North Korea, happening in China, happening in other countries around the world. None of it is accidental. It's all planned. And the timing of all of this is planned. Um, I'm, I'm attached in a business deal, business slash ministry deal in Africa with people in several countries in Africa, multi-billionaires. In fact, we have a contract with Elon Musk. And Musk has agreed we have an 800-page contract that I haven't finished going through yet. But it's executed by Elon. He's going to put Starlink satellites over every square inch of Africa because 90% of Africa doesn't have any telecommunications capability. They have electricity, but no internet, no cell service. And he's going to make all of that go away and provide that. But he's doing it for a Christian cause with a Christian group of businessmen, of which I'm one. And this is the first time I've talked about it. But we have an executed big-dollar contract to get it started. And we're meeting now just to roll it out. You don't hear about those kind of things. Hmm. We hear about the slaughter of Christians two weeks ago, a couple of hundred Christians in Nigeria for no reason other than they're being Christians. You go to other places around the world. China's executing people. They're doing organ transplants on Uyghurs in the western part of China. And in many cases, they're not even putting the people they're harvesting organs out of asleep. They're doing it while they're awake, tying them down and just butchering them. This is a bad world in which we're living. People... There are evil people. You don't have to be in a special spot on the globe. You don't have to be a, a certain skin-colored person or nation of origin. It doesn't matter. Humans are becoming just a piece in the puzzle to get to something else that they want. And we've got to find a way to sit, sit and, and monitor and get us through that without coming to pieces, and we expect our kids to be able to do that when they're spending, out of a 12, 14-hour day, they're spending six hours in social media. Unless God intervenes, buddy, I don't think we, maybe our kids, but certainly our grandkids or great-grandkids, they're not going to have long to live in a country that looks anything like what you and I grew up in. You know, look, humans have long been used as either pawns or cannon fodder. Uh, by the powers that be. But we've had a couple of generations here of relative, you know, even though there's Vietnam Wars, the 
you know, the Middle Eastern conflicts is conflicts that we've been involved in, Korea, things of that nature. But by and large, we've had an opportunity being on an isolated kind of uh, island over here in North America to be exempt from the realities of living in those circumstances. And as a result of that, we've had a t- time period to enjoy real peace, real prosperity. Yeah, we're sending, we're st- still sending some of our children overseas to die, but we're living in peace while we're doing that, which makes it even that much, you know, weirder. But you know, you know the point I'm making there. Yeah, is is when we're comfortable, we allow things to happen that shouldn't be. We shouldn't be allowing to happen. But um, it's looking like Dan that it's coming to our shores. They're coming across our border, and as we were talking about kind of the theme of today, I think is we either believe the government or we don't believe the government. And as these forces are now internalizing, because yesterday people, you know, I heard, I heard McConnell say that he was, um, we needed, we needed to fear what was going on in Ukraine and in Iran and in, you know, and at the border. And I said, no, I tweeted this out in response. I said, no, we need to fear those in Kentucky and Oklahoma and in New York <laughs> who sponsored that bill. Yeah. That's who we need to feel for. Uh, that's it fear because it's, it's the enemies domestic that are more dangerous to us now than those that are foreign. Well, we could sit here all day and talk about it and we would be circling wagons and not establishing too much of anything because too much is happening that we have no idea what's really going on. It just seems like though every few months our eyes get opened a little bit more to the corruption and it's hard to not launch into a big ocean of fear about all this. But we can't do anything about it. At our level, Steve, all we can do is pray elect the right people and pray that our votes count when we cast them. We got to trust something. What are we going to trust? Look, it's a last resort. It should be first, but for most of us, it is a last resort. (laughs) I know know you're going. We turn to God. (laughs) Oh, God, help me. You know, it only took 19. If you believe 9-11 actually happened like they say it happened, Mm -hmm. that's another story. But even if that's the fact, it only took 19 men to kill 4,000 Americans that day. It doesn't matter how it happened. It happened. It happened. Yeah. Right. And it doesn't matter who uh, who who pulled who pulled the trigger. Wired the money. Right. Because that's where it all begins. Yeah. Love them. Money's the root of all evil. Yeah. It doesn't matter. We've got at least a few thousand of them terrorists that we catch after they get into the United States. Oh, we shouldn't have let them go. They've been on the terrorist watch list. We missed that. Something good needs to happen to stop this spiral this nation is making towards Mm -hmm. the big hole, whatever hole it is, because it's getting faster and faster going downhill. I don't want my kids to deal with it. I know you don't want yours to. Well, let me say this, folks. We're going to end the show a few minutes early today. I want to thank Steve from coming by. You're welcome here anytime. And uh, James Posey, when you first came in and we Mm -hmm. talked about why you came by, 
he uh, he said, no, the real reason he came by was he wanted a cinnamon roll. <laughs> That's right. Marianne got mad when she found out yesterday you were Uh-oh. coming. She does that. She makes it from scratch, and it's a, right. a, a feeder. Yeah. And so many days, you know, you got to go so many days in between, and you are a day off. Tomorrow oh, is going to no. be <laughs> oh, cinnamon no. roll, homemade roll, uh, homemade bread day. Well, but, you know. I can you, swing by. If Yeah, if you give her a a few hours, she can kind of make it worth your while. She's a great cook and she's a good person to know. And I've known her for this coming Valentine's day, 49 years. Wow. I can't even imagine that 49 years. We could spend a whole lot of time talking about that. Well, buddy, if you go to Minneapolis, enjoy that show you're going to be a part of, or at least be there to, yeah. Uh, give these guys a good, Hurrah when they leave. Are they, they, they're closing the band? It it's actually a reunion show. It's oh, the other okay. way around. Yeah. I, okay, yeah. I missed that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually. That ought to be fun. You think you'll yeah. get up and pull the trumpet out? Oh, no, no, no. I was never in this band. This was a band that I managed for years. Oh, okay. Uh, so, um, Are they not good enough for you to pull the trumpet out? <laughs> no, they're much, much too good for me to be a part of. <laughs> I doubt that. Oh, no. <laughs> Steve is a great trumpet player. I mean, a really good one. He and his band did an act where it was uh, David Bowie. You guys remember David Bowie? Well, David <laughs> Bowie in this act was Steve Baker. How about that? Keep us posted on what's going on. I'm always a phone call away, you know that. You know it. I and I loved having that little time with you in the cigar lounge on <laughs> Sunday. That was really good. That was really good. Everybody deserves to get away. Yes. And just have a few hours where you don't have to think about stuff. Right. Well, buddy, we're going to leave this thing with a song you probably know pretty well. Uh, it was written by Melanie. You remember that? Her? Uh-huh. Melanie Sofka? Recognize it? Already. Big Yellow Taxi. You guys have a great day. See you tomorrow at TNN Live. They paid paradise and put up a fucking line With a pink hotel, a boutique, and a swinging hot spot Don't it always seem to go That you don't know what you got till it's gone They paid paradise and put up a fucking line They took all the trees and put them in a tree museum and charge the people a dollar and a half to see them No, 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 don't it always seem to go That you don't know what you got till it's gone You be in paradise and put up a fucking lie
night I heard the screen door swing And a big yellow taxi took my girl away Now don't it always seem to go That you don't know what you got till it's gone To be in paradise to put up a parking lot Hey nah nah Don't it always seem to go That you don't know what you got till it's gone To be in paradise to put up a parking lot Why not they pay paradise to put up a parking lot Hey 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 pay Park.